The Gonzaga Bulldogs got a surprise returner in graduate transfer Rasir Bolton, who brings experience, outside shooting, and outstanding transition offense back for a final season in Spokane. More on his impact on Mark Few's squad right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. All right, today we are continuing our season preview series, taking a look at every Zag on Gonzaga's roster as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2022-2023 season. We kicked things off talking about incoming freshman Braden Huff, one of the youngest players on Gonzaga's roster. So, of course, for our second season preview series, we're talking about one of the old heads on the roster. That is, of course, graduate transfer Rasir Bolton, who is back for his second season in Spokane, a rarity for grad transfers, but something he was able to do because of the COVID-19 extra year of eligibility. We're starting out the show talking about his history, how he ended up at Gonzaga, how he performed last year. We're going to talk about his best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season in segment two. And we're going to close out the show talking about his expected role and what his future as a professional basketball player might look like. But first, we want to talk about his future, or excuse me, his history. We're going to do that now. Rasir Bolton began his collegiate career at Penn State with the Nittany Lions back in the 2018-2019 season. He was awesome right away, played in 32 games for Penn State, made nine starts, averaged 11.5 points, two boards, and and 1.5 assists. He shot just under 41% on two-pointers, which is not particularly efficient. He shot higher than that from three last year at Gonzaga. He was 36% on threes, which is good, not great. Good. It's ended up being the second best, second highest three-point percentage output he's had in his career up to this point. Uh, There was some controversy with Bolton at Penn State. He was benched after his family spoke out about a racial incident from Coach Pat Chambers, who made a comment about a noose. Typically doesn't go over very well. Bolton and his family was willing to speak out and say something about it. The response from the coaching staff was to bench him and not play him as much for the rest of the season, despite him being very clearly one of their better players. He opted to transfer. Eventually, Coach Chambers was released from his position at Penn State. Pretty messy situation all around. Uh, Bolton ended up at Iowa State. After that, playing with Tyrese Halliburton for a while, uh, and Iowa State was was pretty good last year. But the time that Bolton was there, they were very bad. I believe they went fourteen and forty eight during his time with the Cyclones. Pretty rough team to be on. He was a superstar for them, though. Played outstanding, especially after Halliburton got hurt, missed about half of his season with an injury, and then was gone for the next year. So most of the time that Bolton was there, it was kind of just him. Running the show, he played 51 games for the Cyclones. 50 of them were starts. Averaged just under 32 minutes per night. So again, he was kind of the man at this pretty pretty good Big 12 school. He was the dude there. Averaged 15 points, 4 boards, 3.5 assists, and 1.2 steals per game while he was there. He shot 48% on two-pointers, so a much 
much higher efficiency around the rim or at least inside the three-point line than he had at Penn State. We also saw him bump or drop down, excuse me, to just under 33% from deep. So when he came to Gonzaga, we we're looking at a guy who shot 36% as a freshman at Penn State, but shot under 33% in two years at Iowa State. There was a lot of kind of comparisons out there to Ryan Woolridge, another point guard who kind of came from a school where he had been asked to do a lot. He was the opposing team's number one target defensively. He was the the main guy with the ball. He had to do a lot of scoring. And the efficiency numbers weren't all that good for Woolridge. He came to Gonzaga. He was in a different role. He had more freedom. He had better teammates around him. And his three-point percentage and overall efficiency skyrocketed. There was some consideration that, hey, maybe this is going to happen with Bolton as well. But of course, Coming from North Texas to Gonzaga is a little different than coming from Iowa State to Gonzaga, even if Iowa State hadn't been all that good. But it was still kind of, is this actually going to happen? Is Bolton going to be a consistent outside shooter? Because the Zags last year's roster, it wasn't clear what exactly that was going to look like. Andrew Nempard was an inconsistent outside shooter. Julian Strother at the time hadn't proven all that much. Dominic Harris was hurt. Of course, last year's team shot very well from beyond the arc, in part because Rasir Bolton came in and shot a astonishing 46% from deep in his first season in Spokane. 46%. Again, this is higher than he shot on twos, while he was at Penn State, this is 10 percentage points higher than his previous career high from deep. It, it it stands to reason that most of this happened because his efficiency bumped up effectively because his usage rate dropped. He was not counted on to do as much in the offense as he did at Iowa State. For most players, that makes you better. It's easier to get more open looks when you have better teammates, when you have just more flexibility in the offense for Bolton. A lot of his offense came on very, very open threes because of the Gonzaga's ball movement on offense. A lot of his scoring also came in transition. He's one of the fastest players I have ever seen on a basketball court right up there with Dimitri Goodson and a handful of other really, really elite high level athletes that the Zags have had in the past. So his ability to get out and transition, he shot We talked about how his three-point percentage bumped up considerably while he was at Gonzaga last year. So did his two-point percentage. He shot 55.7% on twos last year. Again, that's over 15% higher than his first season at Penn State, and it is over 8% higher than what he did in his two seasons combined at Iowa State. He was a considerably more efficient scorer at Gonzaga. Not just a little bit. You'd expect there to be a little bit of a bump just because you're coming into a more high-octane offense, an offense that allows you a little bit more creative freedom and is going to get you out in transition more. But Bolton's numbers came up considerably. Now, his overall production from a simple, like, the stats you see on the back of a basketball card, those those numbers dropped. He averaged 11.2 points, which was a career low for him, barely. He averaged 2.4 rebounds, 2.3 assists. But that's just because his usage rate, like we said, it dropped. He wasn't counted on to do as much in the offense. So what we did get from him was more efficient and more productive. He was also really good defensively, and this was something that, there wasn't defensive stats are often hard to kind of quantify and they're they're so dependent on team situation it's part of the reason that there's been a lot of kind of conflict on how to evaluate what Efton Reed is going to bring to Gonzaga defensively because Will Wade and Mark Few are going to do very, very different things with him on that end of the floor. And to an extent, that was an issue with Bolton as well. His defensive numbers at Iowa State, when you look at defensive rating and various other kind of metric numbers, were pretty bad. 
to the point where him coming at Gonzaga, that was not viewed as something that he was going to really add to this team. Like, oh, he, you know, maybe he'll be able to score really well. Maybe he'll be able to get out and transition because he's fast, but I'm not sure what he's going to be on defense. Well, he ended up being Gonzaga's one of their best defensive players, one of their best perimeter defensive players. He was outstanding on that end of the floor. And that that was huge. That was really, really necessary for Gonzaga last year. Andrew Nempard was a good defensive player as well. Hunter Salas is an outstanding defensive player when he was on the court. He just didn't play all of that much. Uh, obviously, Chet Holmgren was elite defensively, but not as much away from the rim, although he was good at that. He just was not asked to do that very often. For Bolton, for him to show those improvements defensively to the point where he was the one getting those assignments, asked to guard the opposing team's best player. He was the one all over Jamari Bouye when they played San Francisco. He was all over over Alex Barcella when they played BYU. That is not a role I expected him to have going into the season, and it was a role that he handled beautifully in his first year in Spokane. Beyond that, last thing I want to talk about with Rasir Bolton before we get into his best and worst case scenarios, Bolton acclimated well to the city of Spokane. He used his NIL money, some of those opportunities he got to capitalize off his name, image, and likeness to help get backpacks to the homeless population in Spokane. This was a big Thing, a big charitable event that Rasir Bolton participated in. He clearly has an affinity for the city of Spokane. He's kind of mentioned in interviews in the past that he hadn't really ever felt home in his previous stops. Obviously, Penn State did not go well. Iowa State, uh, it's frustrating to lose more than about 75% of the games you play. I have to imagine that took a toll on him. He comes to Spokane. The city loves Gonzaga basketball. He's like, I love them back. I want to help. I don't need this money. I don't need, you know, I I want to help people here. And he did. And and I think his decision to return to school is so significant for Gonzaga's roster more than anything else. That is a a key element of it. But looking outside of the world of basketball, he's back for another year to help people in the Spokane community. And there is nothing more satisfying, more heartwarming, more endearing than than doing that. And and I think that that's something that needs to be mentioned every time we talk about Rasir Bolton and needs to really be celebrated because Gonzaga has had a, a strong history of really, really good community folks who have come through the program. And Rasir Bolton is very high on that list already. We're going to come back in the second segment, and we're going to take a look at what Bolton's final year in Spokane might look like through the lens of his best and worst case scenarios. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. The app is crazy easy to use, and there's no catch. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and you will get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's part of why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up using code LOCKED. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking Gonzaga senior guard Rasir Bolton. I want to thank all of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. 
It is very, very much appreciated, especially as we get into the start of the regular season. Also, for those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube, it's very, very exciting what we're doing on YouTube right now. I really appreciate all of you. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the start of the college basketball season. For those of you who are able to help out, who haven't done so yet, I sincerely appreciate it. All right, let's get into it. Rasir Bolton, he's coming back. He's going to be here for the 22-23 season. We're going to take a look at his best case and worst case scenarios. Uh, Obviously with Bolton and with anybody that I'm talking about here, I like to put this caveat out there. We're not talking injuries for worst case scenario. We're not talking national player of the year, championship MVP, unless it's realistic, which for some players we're going to talk about, that might be kind of realistic, but we're going to stick with realistic views. We're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about injuries because it's not particularly interesting. For Rasir Bolton, the best case scenario, frankly, looks a lot like last year. Even with the crowded backcourt, even with the addition of Malachi Smith, the return of literally everybody else, uh, the expected kind of bump from from Nolan Hickman and and Hunter Salas as sophomores, I think the best case scenario for Rasir Bolton is going to look pretty similar. He's going to start every game. He's going to play between 27 and 30 minutes per night like he did last year. Uh, The insane, insane efficiency we saw from him as an outside shooter sticks. The best case scenario for Rasir Bolton is that like last year when he shot 46% from three, he does that again. He proves that he can do it two years in a row because that was a, it looks like an anomaly. You look at his basketball reference page right now or his ESPN page or whatever site you use to look at basketball statistics, you're going to see that his three-point percentage looks, everything looks different in his one year in Gonzaga. He gets a second year to prove it. He gets another chance to show, look, I can be a 45 plus percent shooter from deep. I can be a 55 plus percent shooter from inside the arc. I can be this high level defensive player. Those efficiency numbers that we saw dramatically improve because his role changed stick because his role is going to be pretty similar. If his role stays the same, the efficiency should, in theory, not change all of that much. I'm not going to sit here and say that a best case scenario is Roz Bolton shooting like 60% from three with like a super high usage rate. It's just not going to, I don't think we're going to see him dramatically improve from last year's numbers because they were really freaking good. But a best case scenario is that we don't see any drop off either. I, I think the usage rate is probably going to be somewhat similar. I don't think that Bolton is going to necessarily take on a larger share of the offense. Obviously, Gonzaga is losing Andrew Nembhard and Chet Holmgren, two players who took a lot of shots last year who had fairly high usage rates. But of course, Malachi Smith is coming in. Efton Reed's coming in. I don't think he's going to take a huge percentage of shots necessarily, but I do think that Gonzaga's doesn't necessarily have a lot more shots to go around, so I wouldn't expect Bolton's usage rate to really climb up all that much. But if the efficiency stays right around where it was, that's going to be huge. And then defensively, I think the improvements we saw from him defensively last year, the way he was utilized, we're going to see that again. I, I think a big area that, that Bolton could, we could even see more improvement is if he's not necessarily relied upon as much to be the guy defensively. Couple options to replace him there. Hunter Salas, who we know has the length, the physicality, the desire, the motivation to be an outstanding wing defensive player. He only played about 13 minutes per game last year. If that bumps up to closer to 20, 22, something like that, maybe 25 even, depending on, on the playing time for some of the other guards. Salas could be the guy who is, you know, there's no Jamari Bowie, there's no Alex Barcelo, but if they need somebody to go out and guard Houston Millette at Pepperdine, or if they need somebody to go out and guard Mike Mitchell or, or somebody like that, they're going to not necessarily need that to be Rasir Bolton. 
Maybe it's Malachi Smith. Maybe it's Hunter Salas. Maybe Bolton then gets the assignment of the second best player, the third best player. In those situations, his defensive efficiency probably ticks up even more because he doesn't necessarily have to spend all of his time dealing with the opposing team's best player. Other stuff we could see from Bolton that would show some improvement or some best-case scenarios. More attacking of the rim. He was good at this, especially out in transition. But one of the key things we saw drop for him pretty dramatically from his time at Iowa State into his time at uh, in Spokane with Gonzaga was his free throw attempts. He's a great free throw shooter. He always has been an 85% three-point shooter for his career. Last year he shot just under 82% for the Zags. But he only had 1.9 attempts per game. He was over four attempts per game both seasons that he was at Iowa State. He was about three and a half attempts per game while he was at Penn State. It's not surprising to see that number come down because, again, he's, there's not as many dribble drives for Rasir Bolton. That's not as much of something he's being asked to do in Gonzaga's offense. He's not the primary point guard, so he's not doing a lot of the pick-and-roll actions, which would create situations where you could get to the rim, get fouled, go to the free-throw line. I don't know that... I'm looking at Gonzaga's offense and thinking, you know what we desperately need is more Rasir Bolton free throw attempts. I don't know that it's like a huge problem, but he's over 80% free throw shooter. Last year's Gonzaga team wasn't a great free throw shooting team. You probably want to get the guys who are good at shooting free throws to the line as much as you possibly can. For Rasir Bolton, if there are opportunities for him to come off actions, get to the rim, or even in transition, use his body more, lean into guys, whatever it may be, find ways to get the whistles, get to the free throw line, because it's pretty much an easy two. It's pretty close to an easy two points from the free throw line. Would love to see receiver Bolton do a little bit more of that. And then the more of the best case scenario is that at the end of the season, there's a legitimate conversation about could receiver Bolton get drafted? I think that that's like really high best case scenario. His size just doesn't quite lend itself to likely being selected, but there's buzz about, hey, maybe he's a priority undrafted free agent. Maybe he signs a summer league deal, gets an exhibition 10 contract. Maybe he gets a two-way deal. There aren't that many two-way contracts out there, but maybe he finds a way to sneak into one of those, gets an opportunity to play in the G League, gets a little bit of NBA action. I think the best case scenario for Rasir Bolton when we're talking about this season for the Zags is at the end of the year, that is a legitimate conversation that comes up is where will Rasir Bolton end up professionally and will it be in the NBA? What's the worst case scenario for Rasir Bolton? Well, there's a lot of talented guards at Gonzaga. And the worst case scenario is that he kind of just gets lost in that sea of guards. Nolan, Nolan Smith, Nolan Hickman, Malachi Smith... Hunter Salas, Dominic Harris, all of them kind of push Bolton into more of a reserve role. Maybe he starts the season as a starter and maybe he loses the starting job. Maybe he ends up still starting, but he's only playing 16, 18 minutes per game. And we're seeing 26, 27 minutes from Hunter Salas. We're seeing more minutes from other guys. These aren't necessarily the worst case scenarios for Gonzaga if it's what is necessary. If Hunter Salas is outplaying Rasir Bolton, I would like to see Hunter Salas play more minutes than Rasir Bolton. I, I think that that makes sense for Gonzaga fans, but it's obviously not a great situation for Rasir Bolton to come back to school and see his final season in college maybe not go as well as his previous season. Other worst case scenarios, I mean, the big one is the three-point shooting. He was a 34.2% three-point shooter coming into last season at Gonzaga. That bumped up 12% to 46%. The worst case scenario is that that is an aberration. When you look back at his basketball reference page, that stands out as something abnormal that happened. The worst case scenario for Rasir Bolton is he attempts to be that guy, a, a lethal dead-eye outside shooter for the Zags, and instead of shooting 46 or 42 or 38%, he shoots 33, 34. And he's hurting the Zags because they're relying on him to be an outside shooter, so he's continuing to take those shots, and they're just they're not falling at the rate that they fell last year. That's that 
beyond anything else, that's the worst case scenario for receiver Bolton is just a reversion. He reverts back to not being as good of a three point shooter as he was in his first season in Spokane. Other things we could see significant drop in turnover percentage since he came to Gonzaga is a 13% turnover rate. Uh, last year with the Zags, he was 18.2% in his career prior to that. Again, I think that most of that is just because his role shifted so dramatically. He was a primary point guard for a bad basketball team in Iowa State. Makes sense that there was a lot of turnovers there. He was trying to make things happen. They were playing against good teams in the Big 12. They were not a good team kind of stands to reason that turnovers are just going to be a part of that. Turnover numbers dropped a lot when he was in Spokane. I don't think he's going to be relied upon to be a primary ball handler because he wasn't asked to do that last year. And this year they have Malachi Smith and Hunter Sal, or excuse me, and Nolan Hickman. So I don't really think he's going to end up doing that. But in a worst case scenario, some of those ball security things start to kind of rear their ugly head a little bit. Defense obviously is something that you know, if he's asked to, to play high-level defense against some of the best players and we see him struggle with that, that's going to be an issue for the Zags as well. That's kind of the main things for him. I think a worst-case scenario for Rasir Bolton is at the end of the year, there's not a lot. There's there's really no chatter about, is he going to stick in the States? Is he going to play in the G League? Is he going to get an undrafted free agent contract, Exhibition 10 contract? And instead, the season ends. A month, two months, whatever later, we hear a deal that he signed overseas, and it's just kind of met with little fanfare. That may not be the worst case scenario for Rasir Bolton if he finds a situation that he loves. He finds a team that that you know pays him well, that gives him an opportunity to play basketball in a country that he wants to travel to. Like there's there's maybe nothing wrong with this situation, but if at the end of the year we're not having any conversations about him potentially playing in the NBA next season, that would probably lean towards a worst case scenario for him. All right, we're going to come back in the third and final segment of the show, and we're going to talk about Rasir Bolton's expected production next season and what his future might look like right after this. All right, segment number three. Still Eddie Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking Gonzaga guard Rasir Bolton and his final season of eligibility here in Spokane. We're going to talk about his expected role in production. Frankly, I, I think Rasir Bolton's going to start. I think he's going to play a similar role to what he did last year. I don't know if the efficiency numbers are necessarily going to be there, but I think he is going to be handed a similar role. I don't think he would have come back if he wasn't feeling like that was a, a borderline guaranteed situation. Mark Few is never going to guarantee anything. There's not a chance in hell that Mark Few told Rasir Bolden, if you come back, you are in ink, in Sharpie, written on a piece of paper that you are starting and you're playing 28 minutes per night. I guarantee you that conversation did not happen. What probably happened, he said, we'd love to have you back, Rasir. We love what you did last year. We want to give you the opportunities to do the same thing last year. You'll come in, you'll compete for your same job. You'll compete with the young guys. You know, we're looking at bringing somebody else in. Malachi Smith was announced like less than a week after Rasir Bolton decided to come back to school. So I'm sure that, that the irons were already in the fire there. Perhaps Bolton already knew or at least had some idea that this player was going to come in when he decided to come back. But Mark Few is very consistent at one thing when it comes to playing time. He loves playing older guys. This has been a, an ironclad thing that Mark Few has always done. So he's going to play. Him and, him and Malachi Smith are going to play a lot of minutes. They would not both be here as older guys, as guys who spent many years in college basketball already, if Mark Few wasn't going to play them. Look at, you look at the past for Mark Few and, and older veteran guys and their playing time situations. They always get, sometimes to a fault, 
I think one criticism that has been tossed around with Mark Few in the past, uh, a notable example is the 2021 season, of course, when they went through that deep run into the NCAA tournament. They made it all the way to the championship game against Baylor and got crushed. Corey Kispert really struggled in that tournament. He really... and. People wondered, is this fatigue? I mean, he played 30-something, 34 minutes per night, I think, during the regular season. And Gonzaga was blowing a lot of teams out. He maybe didn't need to play that many minutes. Now, I don't know that him playing, you know, we'll use a a made-up example here, but let's say he played 33 minutes against Pacific in January. I have a feeling that that game is not why Corey Kispert struggled to make shots against Baylor a few months later. But there is some concern of like, hey, maybe he plays these guys a little bit too much. All that to say... People who think Rasir Bolton is going to come off the bench or he's going to play 18, 20 minutes per game or whatever, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I just, I, I don't think that he would come back if he felt that was the situation. And I also don't think Mark Few is going to suddenly reverse course on something that has been a pretty big staple of his coaching career is playing veteran guys a lot. He really relies on older guys, closer to professional guys, more veteran experienced guys. And Rasir Bolton is about as, as veteran of a guy as he's ever had. So you you factor that in with the fact that he averaged 12 points on 46% shooting from deep last year. There's no real reason for him not to play close to 30 minutes per night. So I think that that's what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to predict here that Rasir Bolton's going to shoot 46% from three again. I think that that was probably the highest percentage we're ever going to see for him in his career. But I don't think that we're going to see some huge reversion back all the way to 32, 33, 35% even. I think he's probably going to be 40 plus percent from deep or right around there. Joel Iyayi shot 39% in his final year at Gonzaga. I think that's a pretty good number for Rasir Bolton. 39, 41, 42%, somewhere in there. Uh, Again, I think the Ryan Woolridge, Woolridge effect is still there. Teams will have a little bit more sense of who he is. I certainly think a lot of teams last year maybe didn't scout the outside shooting for him all that much because they looked at his numbers. They had so many other weapons on Gonzaga's roster they had to focus on, and they thought we might let that guy try to beat us from deep, and then he did. He did. He, he beat everybody from deep. So the teams might be a little bit more prepared for that this year. They might be a little bit more willing to get out on him on the perimeter. Maybe that creates more opportunities for him to pump fake, drive to the rim, get to the free throw line, something I talked about a little bit in his best case scenarios. But I do think that we're he's still going to be a good shooter. I don't think he's going to revert all the way back or anything like that. But I think it's going to be somewhere between... Yeah, this is not that bold of a prediction, but somewhere between the 34% he was at Iowa State and the 46% he was last year at Gonzaga. Beyond that, I think Bolton and Malachi Smith are going to create a just monstrous, ridiculous tandem in transition. They're going to wreak havoc on the perimeter defensively. Malachi Smith, 6'4", 210 pounds. He's going to bully some people around. He's going to push people around. Rasir Bolton doesn't get enough credit for how strong and how intense he is on the defensive end of the floor. Both those guys are high-level athletes in transition. I think we're going to see these two guys getting out in transition a lot, creating some highlight reel plays, getting some easy buckets for the Zags. I think we're going to see numbers that look not too different from what he put up last year. 10, 11 points per game, two and a half assists per game, 40-ish percent shooting from deep. I think that is enough, especially if Gonzaga does what Gonzaga does. First, you know, number one seed, potentially a top, t- you know, making the Sweet 16 again, Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship, whatever run they may do. If If he's a big part of that, if he's shooting 40% from deep, if he's playing well on defense, he's going to get looks in the NBA. I really believe he's going to get looks. I, I have a hard time imagining him getting drafted just because I think this is a pretty solid draft class. And I think that the size limitations and the kind of 
Is he an actual point guard or does he have to be an undersized combo guard? Because those undersized combo guards are, you have to be really, really good to make it in the NBA as an undersized two. But I think he'll get looks. I really do. I think he'll get signed in the summer league. I think he'll play well in the summer league. I think that that's a a style of basketball that might suit him fairly well. It's different from Gonzaga's, but we've talked about like how Joel Eiai really struggles in the summer league because he's more of a system player. Bolton is a system player as well, but I think he can he can thrive in that kind of situation. I think if he does that, maybe maybe he gets some two-way looks. Maybe he at least gets some Exhibit 10 contracts to try to prove himself in training camp before the NBA season begins. I don't know what he's going to do after that. I don't really like making these predictions because some players are very, very willing and able and excited to go to Europe. Some players just don't want to do that. They would prefer to play in the States, even at the G League level, which is maybe not as lucrative or as exciting as playing in a high-level Euro League squad. But I don't know what he's going to choose to do after that. But I think that he's going to have a lot of options. I think a lot of professional teams are going to be very interested in signing him. And I think if he wants to go play high-level basketball in Europe, he certainly could. If he wants to stick it out here in the States, play at the G League level, see if he can kind of climb his way into a two-way contract or some kind of injury replacement situation, I think he's got the ability to do that as well. All right, that is going to do it for me today. All things Rasir Bolton here. We got a lot more of these coming your way. We got one more episode this week. It's an NBA player preview. Very excited one. I'm looking forward to that. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!